Well, the Fed has lifted rates, but is that it? Jerome Powell talked about a soft landing, but also sticky inflation. In fact, he doesn't expect inflation to get back to 2% until 2025, but he said that before. So, was there anything new out of the Fed? And what about the ECB? We know rates will go up, but how much more? And the RBA next week, will they pause after the softer than expected inflation read for Australia yesterday? So there's a bit to cover there. Three stories in 15 minutes. Three and 15. It's Thursday, the 27th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar was down 0.2% ahead of the Fed, then down 0.3% during the press conference. The euro is up 0.3% ahead of the ECB later on. The pound also up 0.3%, but the Aussie dollar has taken a hit this morning, down half a percent to 67.6 US cents on equities. Well, the prospect of the Fed knocked the wind out of the sails. Ahead of the Fed, the Nasdaq was down 0.3%. It got down half percent uh, during the Fed and during the press conference, but closed down just 0.1% down. The down now managed to stay in the green through the Fed, then lifted up a quarter percent in the last hour of trade. It's now had a 13-day winning streak, which I think is the longest winning streak ever for the Dow. But the S&P stayed just in the red through the whole experience. The Russell 2000 up 0.7% this morning. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 closed down 1% with a 1.4% drop in the CAC current and a half percent drop in the DAX. Uh, we saw 10-year Treasury yields. They were flat ahead of the Fed, lifting three basis points to 3.86%. German 10-year buns up six basis points this morning. France also up six. UK 10 years up two basis points to 4.27%. And oil is down a 0.8% fall in WTI, 0.7% down for Brent, almost back down to $83. So the Fed, let's talk about that first of all. A unanimous decision, little changed in their statement. They, they did what was expected, uh, which is why perhaps we weren't seeing many big moves ahead of the uh, the press conference. Uh, but let's look at what was said with uh, NAB's Ken Compton in Sydney. Uh, Ken, interesting it was a unanimous decision, first of all, isn't it? I mean, um, that sort of gives you the impression that they had a very clear idea about what to do. I mean, but do they? I mean, clearly they are as uncertain as the rest of us as to, you know, where the economy is really going. Perhaps they just all agree because the one thing they didn't want to do is give any signs of, of dovishness right now. Good morning, Phil. Yeah, I think that is exactly the, the case. And that was really what the Fed was was needing to do at this meeting. And I think the, the market response that we've seen probably does give them, uh, w- w- I think, Chair Powell would have walked away from the podium there and seen the response of bonds, the response of equities, as he spoke, and probably taken reasonable comfort from that. You know, obviously they've put this hike in. They've given a pretty strong, indi- well, again, a very explicit indication that from here it's completely and utterly data dependent. And you know, you haven't seen equities run away with that. Um, you know, to to a huge extent, you haven't seen bond yields rally massively. You no, know, you've given sort of the the net moves overnight. There, there had been a sell off in bonds or a rise in yields on the statement that was retraced and a bit more in the press conference. But still, you've still got ten years sitting around three eighty five. You know, they haven't sort of, you know, sort of. Um, you know, rallied back into the 370s or anything like that. So I think, and, and with a bit of a gentle roll off in equities, and that's probably about where the Fed need, needed things to land. There was quite sort of strident commentary in the in the press about um, about the level of real rates, saying they're meaningfully restrictive, but they needed to stay there for a while. And I think that's well, the that's sort of the message that um, the Fed really wants to get across. Well, it sounds like they went in there wanting to be boring, and he achieved that quite successfully, didn't he? I mean, even I mean, there was nothing in and out of the June statement, was there? I mean, there was very little crossed out and very little put in. It seems like it was the, they might have changed the date, and that was about it. Yeah, I think the most meaningful change that, um, that, that has been seen there is that the assessment on growth uh, changed from... Um, 
change from modest to moderate. Um, yeah, if you can sort of pass the difference between those, uh, yeah, between those two adverbs, then um, you know, good good luck to you. But I don't see too much difference in that. But um, certainly, the you know, data dependency is the key thing to take away. Right. Wish we had for so long now. I mean, so does that mean yeah. we don't have a clue about what happens in in September? We've got. I mean, he he said every meeting it's a live possibility. So no decisions about future meetings. There's, there's, you know, there's that they are. Well, he said they're going to make the decision at the next meeting. Then they'll make the next decision at the one after that. Amazing insights from Jerome Powell. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I mean, they're giving absolutely nothing away about what they're doing. No, and I think that's pretty fair given the given the stage in the cycle. Given you've got, um, you, you, you do have core inflation in the US sort of printing with a four handle. Now, so that's that, that's certainly some comfort. I mean, look, that's a long way above two percent. In fact, he talked about in the in the press that um, you know inflation is not at two percent until twenty twenty five. You know, that's a that's a long way away. He said that before. Yeah, and I think when but he I mean, stressed that, that, that was what sort of helped the equity market roll off roll off during the press conference. So, I think that's important. And look, if you look at what the where the market's been left for the next few meetings, it hasn't really moved much. I mean, there's about ten points more total priced in over the next couple of meetings. Um, you know, I guess what. Chair Powell would take great issue with looking at that forward curve would be yeah, there's still a lot of cuts priced in for next year. You've got the you know, cash rate price to be down by 4% end of next year. They're probably not as excited by by that outcome, but that also didn't fall that much you know, across this meeting. So yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a, a vague win. Well, we have to see what happens, don't we, over the next six months. I mean, he was asked about whether, you know, he saw growth as a problem. Somebody <laughs> talked about how America had gone out to watch the Barbie movie. So clearly there was a lot of people with uh, with money. But maybe it was the last splash. Uh, some people even saw Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same weekend. You know, I mean, just how much money is there? Uh, but uh, he, he made the point that, you know, he thinks that uh, unless it gets really out of control, uh, you know, they'll, they'll manage to tread the path carefully. Uh, he made his. He said his base case is still for a soft landing, uh, without high levels of job losses that we've been seeing in previous tightening cycles. So, uh, and he he pointed to the fact that staff do their own independent forecast away from the FOMC's forecasts, and they are no longer forecasting a, a recession. So that was the other message, wasn't it? Really, I mean, we've heard that before as well. But soft landing seems to be the uh, the default position now. Yeah. Um, and of course, even the, um, the the embedded scenario of the of the no landing has got a lot of airing in the past well, past week or so as well outside of the Fed, obviously. But um, look, I think the, the key thing for me to take away is um, yeah, don't um, don't get too comfortable with those rate cuts that are that are priced in you know from um, you know for, for early next year. I think that's probably sort of the still biggest risk to, to market pricing, and you know, ten year Treasury yields at, at sort of three point three three point eight three point nine. I mean. Yeah, if we are going to get into a scenario of sort of stable longer run inflation around two to around two percent or two and a bit percent, yeah, three point nine is is probably not um not is not too outrageous a level. You know, how much lower could you go even if they did um even did move towards cutting? Actually, something else that's um I noticed in the press conference from sort of the more technical people in bonds is that um, Jerome Powell was quite clear that they could continue doing quantitative tightening next year even if they did all. Even if they did cut rates, so I thought that was interesting as well. That um, the QT is sort of a, a long run normalisation thing, and they wouldn't be too worried about it looking um, a, a bit awkward alongside rate cuts. So I thought that was interesting as well. Right. Well, there's a, a topic for another day because you know if that's happening along with more government spending. But anyway, we won't talk about that now. Durable goods orders tonight for June month on month. The uh, Q and Q growth rate for Q2 plus the uh, core PCE prices for Q2 as well, and the uh, the jobs, the initial jobless claims, and retail inventories as well. All the stuff that perhaps would have been handy for the Fed to have had a, a couple of days ago. But anyway, it'll, uh, we can add that to, to what's happened today. Uh, also overnight, new home sales for June down 
5.5% month on month in the US. Also, the, the May number was revised down from 12.2% growth to 6.6%. So they've had, uh, basically, they've risen seven out of the last eight months. So this could be a one-off, but uh, mortgage applications were down 1.8% as well last week. So we'll see how that all heads. But, you know, some signs of softness amongst all of that, isn't there? But the other big story, of course, uh, today, Australian CPI. So softer than expected, from 7% to 6% year-on-year uh, in a month. That's quite a fall, isn't it? 5.9% for the core trim mean, which is slightly below the RBA's forecast, a bit below the NAB forecast as well. So does that mean that the obvious question, the RBA is on hold next month, uh, next week? Well, the short answer is yes. We, we do think the RBA will pause in August on the back of on the back of this um, CPI number. Now, obviously, you know, we had pretty solid employment numbers last week, which probably had sort of firmed up our previous expectation they would move. But, you know, given the RBA's clear preference to taking a bit of a, you know, a bit of a soft approach on um, on rate hikes, I think this will give them enough um, enough comfort to take a pause this month and that that was the the new view that NAB published yesterday so with that slight CPI undershoot now I mean if you take a look at a at a longer run perspective you know you're still talking about a core inflation print um, you know with a with a six handle on it that's a long way from three so yeah I don't think you'd you'd, uh, you you wouldn't stake your your bet on this August pause being um, you know being repeated through the rest of the year but but that's certainly where we've landed at the moment. And we've still got stickiness in services, haven't we? But I guess if, uh, I yeah. mean, there's, there was one uh, publication I see, it might even have been a slide pack from you, I'm not sure, uh, which sort of like juxtaposed the uh, the fall in Australian CPI against what's happening in the United States. And, and basically, we're just a few months behind. So and our goods are easing just as it did in the US. Services starts to ease in the US. So you'd hope the same thing would happen in Australia. Yeah, I think that stickiness of services inflation really is the, the key thing that the RBA needs to be where all the RBA will be wary of. Really, I mean, if you look at some of the some of the components that gave us good falls in the print yesterday, so the Q2 print, you know, garments down um, down three percent month on month. That's that's sort of very very unusual in a, in a in a seasonal sense. You know, new car prices down for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic, actually. So that that's an interesting interesting outcome. Um, and also, you know, sort of new dwelling construction inflation. That's also moderating a little. Obviously, you know, sort of construction input price increases have been a, have been a big factor in, um, in in causing some weakness across the construction sector. Obviously, so that's that's helpful as well. Um, yeah. So if you look at the, the monthly core measure, you know, excluding volatilities and travel, you end up at that six point one percent year on year. So still, still pretty, um, still pretty decent. And but I mean, looking forward though, which is the key thing, and then that's sort of why we're keen not to extrapolate our expected August pause too far forward if you consider that um, you know the increases in award wages, the increases in minimum wages, that took effect from 1 July. That's going to start to, to feed through. Think about all your administ- sort of administrated price increases or, or automatic price increases that tend to happen around 1 July. So um, yeah, if you're a Telstra customer, you're probably aware of um, you know, CPI-linked price increases across a lot of their plans. If you use electricity, which most of us do, um, you know, across the east coast, you're certainly getting big increases there. Now, some of that is going to be off. Some of that is offset by uh, by subsidies, that sort of thing. It doesn't fully feed through to CPI, but it's there. Yeah, um, yeah, motor vehicle insurance up. 40% year in year two. We haven't been a chunk of the stickiness as well, haven't they? And, and that, you know, I mean, how much of that would be? A chunk of that I would have thought would be the immigration, putting more pressures, you know, more people, same number of properties. Stands to reason, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's starting to get a bit of an airing in the public debate at the moment as well with, um, you know, with the, the government policy sort of clearly supportive of of um, of, sus- of sustained, you know, relatively high migration. And, um, 
yeah, that, that that that's a big factor in the the stock of um the the stock as the stock of rent um, increases continues to flow through. That's going to support as well. It seems to be you're saying, well, okay, a pause next week, but don't assume that that's going to be it because I mean, because also I mean, this this fall in CPI, a chunk of that's base effects as well, isn't it? Which we won't see next time. So uh, so we could see the sort of like that slowing in inflation falter. So does that mean they pause this time, but you know they're they're back on track for the next one? I think um, yeah, I'd certainly be keeping keeping a very open mind on, on on what they may do in September on the basis of the print yesterday and all, all those factors I just talked about. Because, I mean, if you look at where we've come in relative to the RBA's own forecast, you know, in the, in the last um, S&P, you know, to be fair, we get a new one next week. But, um, you know, yesterday's print comes in a little bit softer than they're expecting for Q2. But if you look at the, the path of all these other increases that are coming through across Q3, really, we, we can't see them meeting their um, current Q4 forecasts at this point, we still we still have them coming in at least sort of thirty, I think thirty basis points above above that on a, on a year on year basis for the core. So mm. yeah, the, we're not gliding down as fast as a, as as they are expecting in May. Right, the ECB tonight. I mean, they're expected to lift rates by twenty five basis points as well. The question is, what happens in September? And the ECB board are certainly mixed on that. But uh, if you the markets basically pricing a, a twenty five basis point rise in September as well, aren't they? Yeah, the market's pretty firm that the ECB is going to go is going to deliver. A, a follow-up hike in September after after one to nine, um, yeah. And interestingly, you know, there, there's been a bit of a, a bit of a wavering in the in, in in how vociferous some of the more hawkish ECB members have been in terms of their views on that. You know, we saw um, you know Klaus Knott come out and talk last week. Yeah, he was saying July is necessary, but beyond that, it's 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 now no means a certainty. I think was what he said about um, about his thoughts on where the ECB could go. So really, just like the Fed was. Um, yeah, overnight, it's going to come down to the the tone of the statement and yeah, the the tone of the um the the, the tone of any sort of subsequent follow up comments. So, um, I mean, yeah, obviously, there, have, there in, have been signs of a slowdown. I mean, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? If we're saying twenty five now and twenty five again, I mean, after those PMIs this week, I mean, the composite, you know, this lowest level in almost two years. Exactly. So that's the that's sort of the relative difference between the Fed and the ECB. So, you know, Jerome Powell can sit there and talk about how the the, re- the real Fed funds rate is now meaningfully restrictive, but then can sit there and point at what aren't, you know, so what at this point isn't a terrible growth outlook, and uh, and able to point to how the banking crisis there has been somewhat resolved. Yet you look at the Europe, where there's no, there's no banking crisis that we um, that they're expecting, obviously, but um, yeah, <clears throat> the PMIs at the beginning of this week certainly moved in in sort of reasonably opposite directions in Europe and the US. Yeah, US actually saw a bit of recovery in manufacturing. US, uh, the Europe saw it uh, plunge to, to sort of even further longer run lows. Um, services there is is relatively weak as well. Um, yeah, maybe you know we've sort of hit a bit of a a bit of a purple patch with the energy issues across. Um, across Europe for this winter just gone, but um, but you know, but but how are we going to be placed for that you know, in in the winter that's coming? Um, yeah, if you're starting to see a bit of uh, a bit of goods inflation starting to creep back into the system as well, which is which is, there's there's some evidence of that as well. Then um, yeah, combine all that with um with, with sort of that softer growth outlook, then it's it's a much more challenging environment for the for the ECBs. It's, it's going it's going to come down to the messaging, I think. So I wouldn't expect anything to be any anyone to be particularly strident about a September move this time. Yeah, it's a question of how hawkish are they going to sound, doesn't it, uh, today? So, look, uh, it's going to be interesting as well to see just how quickly uh, equities snap back because they've taken a hit ahead of the FOMC, strangely, because, you know, nothing surprising came out of that meeting. Uh, but we'll, uh, you know, we've had good, strong earnings. So if we have more good, strong earnings, will equities be back on track? And uh, we've got Amazon tomorrow, 
plus Intel, Ford, ExxonMobil and uh, Meta, which I'll tell you about in just a second. But we'll leave it there for now. Uh, good to talk. Catch you again soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And you know what? E- equity markets might have forgotten about the Fed already because uh, Meta results are in after close uh, and their ad revenue, $31.5 billion against an estimate of $30.4 billion. Of course, normally when there's any signs of a downturn, advertising is the first to get hit. Uh, but they've got an earning per share of two ninety eight against an expectation of 2.46. So a standout result. They've also up their forecast to 34.5 billion for Q3 as well. So a good result from Meta. Yet again, a good earnings result. It keeps on surprising us, doesn't it? That's it for the morning call for today. Back for the last one of the week tomorrow. By the way, next week I won't be saying that because changes are afoot. We'll tell you about that at the beginning of next week. But that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you in the morning.